ladies and gentlemen, from All Seasons Studio 306 in Midlothian, Virginia, it's The Undiluted Truth with Mike and Ben. Today's episode, Dr. Peter McCullough delivers The Undiluted Truth. Do not forget to like, subscribe, and share. Our podcast email is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Oh, they really need to get on some good behavior. That's for sure. Maybe they need the grassroots army. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Undiluted Truth. My name is Ben. Let's welcome in our host, Mike. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, Ben, once again, fantastic, but it's getting better. And did you like my little plug for the Grassroots Army there? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, and I hope they like it, but that's where this video is coming from. Sort of a new outlet for us, the Grassroots Army. I like sort of what I've been seeing there. Uh, they're also the ones that brought us Dr. David Martin. That's and right. this is sort of right down that same lane with Dr. Peter McCullough. And, and I know that with, with, I would say this, with David Martin, we spoke about some of the things that he has brought to light, I mean, from way deep into the weeds and, and has brought out as far as facts, history. And we mentioned that to date, probably the only one that at least I have heard that came close to that was... Judy Mikovits, Dr. Judy Mikovits. But Peter McCullough is like he's it's like he's been handed the playbook here. I know he has come a long way from the beginning of this, but what I appreciate about him is he is a student of what is going on and wanting to help people. And I can tell you this, he wants facts and he will bring facts forth. And that's what he does here. I love the topic. Uh, the 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 name and the name of the title here is he brings forth the undiluted truth, and he does here. He's testifying in the Pennsylvania Senate. So mm. I will. I mean, I think we just need to get going here. So without uh, any for, before any further ado, let's welcome all of you rock tumblers and truth yeah. seekers. Across yes. the flu- fruited plains, uh, uh, fluted, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a time I could play the flute. The but, musical plains. Yeah, the musical plains. Uh, wow, musical plains. Yes. Hmm, that's an interesting thought there. Okay. Yeah. You know, if there was music in planes, could you hear it? Uh, well, I guess maybe only if you were in the plane. Uh, right. And, and with, yes. that, with that thought, uh, you know, if they tell you to get on the plane, refuse, get in the plane. So you're never yes. getting on the plane. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Unless you're a wing walker. Exactly. I don't think you want to try that uh, on a jet. Uh, no. No. Not at all. No. So, but uh, <laughs> we welcome everybody uh, all across the globe, uh, which I think we're we average forty plus uh, that's downloaded across the globe and forty plus countries, not forty plus downloads. Right. Uh, forty yeah. plus countries. Let's make that clear. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, glad to be here and glad to have everyone uh, tuning in uh, this afternoon to pick us up. And we hope that you get your ears on, strap in, because this is right down, this is a fastball right down the pike. 
is no you say no fluff, no no muss. It's this is just straight facts, and this is one that you want to pay attention to. So, all right, we ready, Ben? Ready. All right, let's go. Mr. Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for the audience and the ability to allow medical freedom uh, to have its its time for consideration here in the great state of Pennsylvania in America. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, as introduced. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist in Dallas, Texas. I'm trained in epidemiology. Uh, I now have 71 peer-reviewed publications on the pandemic as an author, uh, as a principal investigator scientifically, and 681 citations in the National Library of Medicine. To give you a reference point, about 25 character is enough to uh, be granted full professor of medicine, that position I've held at multiple institutions. The SARS-CoV-2 pandemic from the outset has been the largest medical disaster, the largest human disaster now of all time in our country. And the stories that you're hearing represent casualties, analogous to casualties in war. Mm. December 10th, 2020, the Pfizer vaccine was emergency use authorized. Prior to COVID, emergency use authorization was only for military means, only for vaccines and other products used in the military. That mechanism was never used for a product to be used publicly. Messenger RNA is an old technology. A paper by Lalani and colleagues in the British Medical Journal characterizes U.S. efforts to develop messenger RNA since 1985. The United States had poured tens of billions of dollars into this technology. Nothing had come out of it. In 2012, DARPA, the research division of the military, announced the ADEPT P3 program, which said that they will use messenger RNA technology to end pandemics in 60 days, pandemics that are military would face. So it has been a U.S. government aspiration to use messenger RNA technology for a very long time. Mm. This technology was ready to go on the shelf. Operation Warp Speed just quickly brought it into testing. Three days into the U.S. National Declaration of an Emergency, Stefan Bainzel from Moderna announced that they had a vaccine. Three days into the emergency, and what we learned is Moderna had co-written its patent with the U.S. National Institutes of Health years ahead of time. So there was great planning for the possibility of a SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. In the last 90 days, the U.S. Congress Select uh, Committee for the, for the Origins of the Coronavirus has revealed that the origin of the virus was the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. Mm -hmm. And it was work done by U.S. researchers led out of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Ralph Barrick as a senior author, who in 2015 had published papers describing the creation of a chimeric virus, an intentionally human-engineered virus. And those papers were published in Nature Communications and the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. In the House investigation, we learned that former NIAID director Anthony Fauci and NIH director Francis Collins in January of 2020 held a teleconference with leaders in virology worldwide to create a deception campaign 
to lead the academic and public communities to believe that the virus arose out of nature. The Okay, I'm going to stop right there uh, for two reasons. Um, <laughs> first of all, this should sound, if you saw that uh, Dr. David Martin uh, right. uh, testimony, and he was in the European uh, Parliament, this I love this because he's he's speaking this here in this country and he's almost step by step by step, maybe not as many details, but step by step by step. And I I really appreciate it because he, well, of course, if if you know anything about Dr. Peter McCulloch, he is an honest, good doctor trying to do the best that he can to save lives. Now, with all that being said, in this country these days, that'll get you canceled. That'll get that'll get you uh, 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 fired from your job. Your, your credentials will be wiped away just because you're trying to do the trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And another thing I want to mention is some of the popping and so forth that you're hearing through the audio guys. Uh, we we can't control, but so much of this. We're tapping into another video, and we did not know that it was going to be that, I guess, that noticeable. Yeah. But we have no control yeah. over it. So, but we feel like you know through uh, this outlet that the the information is is worth the wait. So we may, if if you don't, know, I mean, we're going to continue to go through here, but we may, uh, on a follow-up episode, maybe clear some things up and maybe redo some of this, but uh, try to just listen to the facts, if you will. And I, you know, I hate to be able to say that, but that's all, that's as good as that it's going to get at, uh-huh. the, at this moment. So yeah. we're okay. going to, yeah, we're going to continue on. So uh, if there's anything we can do, just hopefully it'll clear off uh, miraculously. But anyway, here we go. All right. Official U.S. government narrative for three years was that the virus spontaneously rose out of nature in Wuhan, China. And in the last 90 days, through investigation led by the committee, led by Representative Comer, uh, uh, assisted by Representative Chip Roy and others, I've had personal communication with Chip Roy on this. Our government agencies have all done an about face, including the CDC via former Director Redfield, the National Security Administration, the FBI, the Department of Energy, they have all capitulated and have stated that indeed the virus came out of the lab in Wuhan, China. And to make matters worse, those agencies had oversight over what was going on and in a 419 to 0 vote, our U.S. House of Representatives voted to declassify all the documents on the creation of the virus, the U.S. creation of the virus outsourced to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Vaccine development was going on in concert with the creation of this. It was done in a biosecurity level four lab in Wuhan, China. The vaccines were designed and held initially by Moderna. Pfizer had a very similar version after Moderna. Moderna is suing Pfizer for copying their code as we sit here today. Mm. Later on, Janssen came forward, AstraZeneca, um, Oxford vaccine in the UK, and then Novavax from the United States. In total, there's 12 vaccines that have been used uh, on the market. Where we are today 
is that the original Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which are monovalent vaccines, have been withdrawn from the market. They never were fully licensed by the U.S. FDA. They were never commercial products. They never had full package inserts. Janssen has been removed from the market. The original Novavax and now the bivalent Moderna and Pfizer vaccines exist on the market today. We have a situation where there has been unprecedented injuries, disabilities, and deaths with these vaccines. There you go. Now, our CDC says that 92% of Americans have taken at least one shot. We learned from a study from Harvard and Northeastern University called the COVID Community States Program using a very large representative survey that the CDC was overestimating. In fact, the true number of Americans who took at least one shot is 75%. Mm. That means we have 25% of the population that's available to study as unvaccinated and and our um, experts testifying after me will talk about the differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated. As a doctor, I am seeing and managing patients who suffer vaccine injuries, disabilities, and sadly dealing with families uh, whose loved ones died after the vaccine. What I can tell you is that uh, by January 22nd of 2021, the U.S. Vaccine Averse Event Reporting System had already recorded 182 deaths with the COVID-19 vaccine. That's just actually a few weeks into the campaign. Just a few weeks. The whole system, for all the vaccines combined, for every year it's ever been done, typically comes in at about 150 deaths, which can happen. People can die of acute allergic reactions, widely administered vaccines. But 182, we were over the line. The program was co-administered and still is today not by a separate vaccine administration committee or organization, but is co-administered by the FDA and the CDC. Neither of those two agencies have any historical experience in administering a big vaccine campaign. Neither should they. The F- Okay. He's going to get into it a little bit, but I, th- I don't think a lot of people know that. The CDC and the FDA, they're, they're, they're heavily involved in administering this vaccine or you know, a major vaccine. They have no experience. Right. And I think most people are leaning on, well, you know, at least the CDC and the FDA are looking at Well, <laughs> there's no experience there. I, 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 hmm. That point needs to be made. Yeah. And he'll follow up on it. So he, he's going to get into some more details. But I, that's worth repeating right there, uh, guys and gals. FDA is supposed to be a separate watchdog on drug safety. The CDC is strictly uh, to do outbreak investigation, data analytics, and in vitro diagnostics. None of them have a role in directly administering a vaccine program. So by conflict of interest, neither one of those organizations was ever going to stop this campaign for safety. This campaign should have had an independent data safety monitoring board of experts to be reviewing data on a monthly basis. And when they saw a signal, as one was seen in January 22nd of 2021, the program should have been immediately paused to figure out why were people dying after the vaccine. Pfizer, Moderna, and the other manufacturers, by obligation, kept records for 90 days after release of their vaccine. By obligation. By regulatory obligation. None of them voluntarily disclosed their data to the U.S. public. Mm. They did to the FDA. And under court order, after many, many months, Pfizer was forced to release their data that the FDA knew about. In fact, the lawyer for the FDA wanted to block this information for 55 years. And just so you know, that, uh, that lawsuit was done by the 
uh, Informed Consent Action Network, the ICANN network that uh, uh, Dr. Siri and uh, through, we have got a lot of information through the High Wire and Del Big right. Tree with those guys. Yes. They are awesome, but that's that was the lawsuit. So just so you know that, that's, that's a good point. But yeah, they wa- they wanted to stall it. I think it was originally for seventy some years, but but over fifty right. years. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you the rest of this information in fifty years. Right. Really. But th- this is what we're up against, guys. Uh, but yeah, we're going to continue here with Doctor McCullough. Good stuff. To the American public, this is prima facie evidence that the FDA is involved in a drug safety cover up. What we learned from that dossier is that Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths within 90 days of their vaccine, sometimes many patients on the same day they took it or a few days afterwards. It exactly matched the early data in VAERS. And Pfizer intentionally kept this confidential. The FDA kept it confidential. To this day, uh, not a single Pfizer representative has been questioned by any congressional or Senate committee on this. Moderna still has not released their data. The president of Moderna has been before the U.S. Senate. He was never asked about the 90-day regulatory dossier of what the vaccine manufacturers know. Mm. Now we have 3,400 and growing papers in the peer-reviewed literature on vaccine injuries, disabilities, and deaths. 3,400 papers. Wow. This is astonishing. From case reports to case series, pathophysiologic studies, conclusive studies showing the vaccine is the cause of these injuries. And they fall into four broad categories. The first one is cardiovascular. The vaccines cause heart damage. It's called myocarditis. I see this routinely in my practice every day. The U.S. FDA and regulatory agencies agree the vaccines cause myocarditis. That's heart inflammation. The Mm. genetic vaccines install the code for the lethal Wuhan spike protein, and the spike protein damages the heart. As more and more blood flows through the heart, more vaccine is deposited. Wow. In cardiology, we have guidance and clear practice um, patterns and community standard of care patterns that say before COVID and before the vaccines, if a person has myocarditis, they cannot participate in sports. Because a surge of adrenaline, a surge of stress hormones can precipitate a cardiac arrest. So in my practice, I have never let a person with myocarditis, whether they feel it or not, ever participate in sports. Now, before the vaccines, the U.S. NCAA, Big Ten League, the um, U.S. military, the Israeli military, they had screening programs for myocarditis because it was a concern that COVID could cause myocarditis. And they found a handful of cases that probably met a definition. They were clinically inconsequential, no hospitalizations and no deaths. They all gave up screening for myocarditis. Mm. Then we bring in the vaccines, which the regulatory agencies agree cause myocarditis, and none of those organizations resume screening for myocarditis. And so we've seen unprecedented deaths of athletes. In the uh, European sports leagues, I've published with Dr. uh, Polycretis from Italy, that in a stable period before COVID-19, the rate of cardiac arrests under age 35, pro and semi-pro, that's a lot of people in these leagues, 29 cardiac arrests per year. Before COVID, 
Now, since the vaccines, that number annualized is 283. Wow. So from pre-COVID, 29 a year average of, of that sort of condition. Mm-hmm. Right. Going from there to 249. I'd say it's a small jump. <laughs> yeah. Do you have extremely a, rare? Ex- extremely rare. Yeah. Right. Side uh, effect. Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably got a consensus on that too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. The the numbers just keep adding up, and the evidence just keeps piling mm. up. But uh, some might say nothing to see here. Carry on. No need to even test. Uh, That's so, right. And and what he didn't mention, I don't know if he he, w- he would, but. Uh, they even lowered the qualification for uh, the heart condition, if you will. I should say lower raise, whatever. They they raised the number, I guess, for heart condition uh, uh, cautions to be placed on pilots. If right. if your number yeah. was say maybe the number had you know if it was nine point uh, that number oh you could have myocarditis I think they raised it to like fourteen just to give you know I I'm not sure of that number but what they did was they they upped the right right the alert number yeah so you know not to mention just that I mean here we got the athletes we we've got military and and even airline pilots which is absolutely crazy but. Uh, Oh man! Anyway, this this is awesome. I think because he, <laughs> Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, MD, MPH, cardiologist. This guy is awesome. So we're going to continue on here. Sudden cardiac deaths. We see montage reel after montage reel of sudden cardiac death. I can tell you, as a cardiologist, there are two periods of time where the body has a surge of adrenaline. It's during sports. And it's also about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. do the normal waking cycles. And those are the two patterns where we see death of unknown cause. Now we see report after report on a daily basis of death of unknown cause. Hmm. It's my conclusion as a cardiologist that it is the vaccine until proven otherwise. With myocarditis now, we have autopsy proven conclusive papers published by Verma, Washington University in St. Louis, by Gill, Connecticut, uh, University of Michigan and Minnesota by uh, Choi in uh, Korea of fatal vaccine-induced myocarditis in young people. Mm. Conclusive autopsy proven. It is unequivocal that the vaccines cause a form of cardiac death due to um, myocarditis. By design. For that reason, one death should have caused all of these to be pulled off the market. Recently, the FDA pulled an eye drop off the market because of a, a, um, an unusual side effect that caused death. Mm-hmm. One case. And so this has gone on because there is no data safety monitoring board. The FDA is actually administering the program. They're not providing any safety protections for Americans. And in this cardiovascular category also includes acceleration of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, uh, in need for bypass surgery and angioplasty, uh, includes stroke, both hemorrhagic and ischemic stroke. These are all described in the peer-reviewed literature. The second major category is neurologic. And you've heard reports today from two patients who suffered neurologic damage from the vaccine. Their neurologic damage, in addition to stroke, 
can include syndromes such as Guillain-Barre syndrome, ascending mm. paralysis, of mm-hmm. which has been described with all the vaccines, uh, forms of uh, neuropsychiatric conditions, including acute psychosis requiring hospitalization, progression of uh, Parkinson's and other uh, neurologically uh, uh, debilitating diseases, well described in the literature. And then a broad group developing small fiber neuropathy. And you've heard about that numbness and tingling in the hands and feet that's relentless. Seizures have been reported, new onset seizures reported in the peer reviewed literature, people requiring epilepsy, blindness from multiple mechanisms, hearing loss. There are untold numbers of senior citizens who took these vaccines who now have these progressive problems to deal with. The third category is blood clots. The vaccines unequivocally cause blood clots through the mechanism of producing the Wuhan spike protein. The spike protein, which is now in the bodies of everyone who've taken these vaccines, promotes blood clots, large blood clots. A paper Mm. from the FDA by Wu and colleagues from the US FDA published in the peer-reviewed literature described thousands of blood clots that they had in a sample going from the ankle to the hip, the largest blood clots we've ever seen, shooting to the lungs. 11% of cases in the Wu paper were fatal. My experience with these blood clots, are they're enormously resistant to blood thinners. We're using all different types of blood thinners, additional drugs, and they are not going away like characteristic blood clots. Studies show the Wuhan spike protein is inside the blood clots and it's folding, forming what's called amyloid structures. Amyloid structures are like rubber in the human body. They look like rubber and the blood clots are large and rubberized and they are not being dissolved. A very disturbing paper recently published by Lee and colleagues with a sample of millions and millions of patients from 2021, they had unvaccinated and vaccinated. They did careful retinal scans. This is astonishing. They found astronomical rates of blood clots in the retinal arteries and retinal veins in those vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. Mm. And that was only with two shots back in 2021. Two years later, these still exist. They're still there. The risk is there. Wow. So what I'm telling you is these vaccines have a very long effect in the human body. And when we see blood clots in the arteries, small arteries and veins of the eyes, they're reflecting what's going on in the body. The blood clots are coming from elsewhere. And so they certainly can be a cause of blindness, but is a general reflection of blood clotting occurring through the body throughout. This is a very large study and I thought the longest study showing that there is a tale, at least a two-year tale, of risk and concern of anyone who's taken one of these vaccines back in 2021. Fourth category and final category are immune syndromes. There are now immune syndromes that occur after the vaccines that are well accepted in the literature. In fact, they have, they have acronyms. One's called vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpurea, VITT. It's a blood disorder where there's clotting and bleeding. It requires hospitalization. It's a medical disaster. And roughly a third die in the hospital of this horrible death. Wow. Another syndrome is called multi-system inflammatory disorder. Typically occurs in younger people. Mm. We have Americans who have had this syndrome where their organs have all been damaged. They end up with tracheostomy tubes in wheelchairs. They are wrecked. A recent report from Japan describes a 14-year-old girl 
who took a, a first shot of messenger RNA and had some side effects. A second shot had more side effects. And then six months later, she takes the booster. Her sister describes her having trouble breathing that night, and the parents find her dead the next day. Mm. They do an autopsy. Every single organ in the body is being rotted out with inflammation in her body, multi-system inflammatory disorder, which is fatal. Oh, my goodness. One case of an adolescent dying of such a syndrome should globally pull these off the market. Autopsy-proven Meticulous cases. Amen. So to summarize, there are four domains of injury, cardiovascular, neurologic, thrombotic, and immunologic. The hardest question I've faced so far in all of my appearances in the media, and I've probably given more media uh, appearances now than any public figure in the world on COVID-19. The question came from Joe Rogan on his podcast in 2021. He said, Dr. McCullough, if these vaccines are so bad, why doesn't everybody have a side effect and are damaged after the vaccines? I didn't have the answer at that time, but I have it now. A paper by Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark has clearly shown that the batches of vaccines that come out, the lots uh, groupings are not the same. They had all the Pfizer data administered in Denmark, and they had every side effect. They found three risk groups of batches. The first batch, which was about a third of people who got the vaccine, zero side effects, nothing whatsoever. It's like taking a shot of saline, nothing. The second group, which is about two-thirds, had some moderate side effects, uh, but, but the, the rate of serious side effects was, was pretty low. Then there's a third group which is 4.2% of everybody who, of the vials, their side effect rate was through the roof. Hmm. When they did what's called an R-squared analysis, that is how much of the variation in side effects is explained by this batch-to-batch variability, the answer was 75% plus. Wow. That means we have a product manufacturing problem. Either the vials, these, these files, and unfortunately, these two ladies almost certainly received a bad batch. And these uh, vials either have hyper-concentrated lipid nanoparticles and excessive amounts of messenger RNA. And in the United States, 94% of people who took a shot took messenger RNA. So we can stay on that, that, that uh, technology. We, uh, the other possibilities is that it could be contaminated with what's called cDNA or plasmids or other contaminants. It's certainly possible. I think hyper-concentration of messenger RNA is most likely because what we're seeing are messenger RNA spike protein mediated injuries. But Senator Ron Johnson, just from the VAERS data, had sent analysis to the CDC on this and the FDA asking for them to analyze the lot-to-lot variations that we're seeing. And he received a multi-page letter back that essentially says, we disagree. We don't see any difference in lot-to-lot. Now it's in the peer-reviewed publication uh, forever in medical history showing it is a batch variability problem. Fortunately, most Americans received batch one or batch two. They're okay. Fortunately, they're fine. But for the small number of people who did receive a batch, we have big problems. A Zogby survey done last summer, a population-based sample, suggests 15% of Americans now have some injury, disability, or some medical problem they're dealing with due to COVID-19 vaccines. It's rough. Okay, we're going to pause it right there. Um, mm. There's there's 
quite a bit to, to unpack there. I, one of the things that stands out to me in, in what he has said is, is some of these effects can linger for, you know, say dormant, or you can still have issues, serious issues after two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. A big, you know, that that is a big deal. And and then of course, you know, he was he was talking about, you know, answering the question, why doesn't everybody? Well, we sort of heard this answer before because we did hear. You know, I think Dr. Cole got into it, and and some of the other guys, and even uh, uh, Dr. Malone and and others had talked about. Well, you know, you might have a. Uh, I've heard a control group. You know, maybe they did just a saline group so they could sort of see what was going on with people. And then I also heard is this thing was sort of thrown together so fast, and uh, Dr. McCullough was sort of leaning into it that. You're not sure what you got, right? You know, right. this is just like a random hodgepodge of you know. It's all thrown in a great big pot and scoop down the vials and get what you get. Yeah, and there's and no real uh, quality control, no, no rhyme or reason. Right, and and then there's some obvious studies and 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 monitoring of what's going on, and then they send this stuff to the CDC, and they, well, we don't really see any major difference in the, the lots or whatever they're you know really so you don't have anybody in these uh, 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 alphabet soup organizations taking any responsibility for any of this and you've got good people like dr mccullough that wants something done and is trying to do it the old-fashioned way by law and 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 by policy and procedure as he moves through, you know, the chain of command, if you will, right. in in the healthcare industry. And it's just, it's not working. You know, people aren't listening. So what do you, you know, what do you do? And you're seeing people all over the, all over the world, all over the globe dying. And, and not everyone, but I mean, the numbers he's talking about, even it, it you know, if 20% of everyone who got a, a, a vaccine died, how many is that? That you're in the, the millions, you know? But right. there again, there's that, there's that question. What's your acceptable death rate? That's, is that okay with you? Yeah. You know? Right. And that you, you are actually seeing people defending that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it because it's for the greater good. Yeah. You know, and that's sort of the the attitude. Uh, but I can appreciate that, and I'm going to apologize for the listeners. <laughs> we just because there's so much going on with this particular uh, uh, the clip that that we're using, but the, the, you know, the information and and the guts of it, the, the you know the the quality of sound, not so good, but uh, quality of information, awesome. So yeah. Anyway, we're going to leave it there. We're glad uh, to be able to play this, and if, like I say, guys, if we get if we're able to get this cleaned up, we we might replay part of it or whatever, or put it out maybe on a on a repeat uh, somewhere down the line. But there there are there is a little bit more information with this particular testimony that we may follow up on. But uh, with that being said, good on Doctor McCullough for for getting out there, and he is I, I think you know he mentioned he's he's probably one of the most. Uh, 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 one of the most, or the most, public, uh, visible or public uh, testified uh, information. I'm trying to trying to find the the right words to say <laughs> right. he's he's yeah. 
he's he's been he's he's been uh, in front of, of more cameras, uh, you know, giving testimony around the world. I think than anybody. So I guess yeah. that's the best way to say it. Right. Right. Uh, so you are getting it from really the, the horse's mouth that, that this guy knows what he's talking about, and he's been right there in the middle of it, you know, all the way through. So anyway. Uh, an, another another good uh, uh, good episode, and uh, we will leave it there, and we'll wrap this up with a word of prayer. All right. Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for this platform and the ability to, to be able to share the undiluted truth with the rest of the world. We pray that this reaches those that needed to hear it. We pray that the right things are are, are reacted to and the things that that people may have been on the fence about are are gathering information to make proper decisions in the future. We lift up all of those in prayer that have been affected and may be injured. We pray that your healing hands be placed upon them and, and the comfort find the way to their families to help them through these most difficult times. Father, we're in a dark, dark world, uh, and we know that there's there's times of sorrow ahead. We pray for your strength. We pray for your, uh, your compassion and your forgiveness uh, upon us for making uh, some, some of the decisions that we have made. But we pray for, for wisdom and, and understanding that we will know as each day moves forward how to make decisions, how to share your strength, your power, and your salvation with others. We thank you again for this opportunity. Major blessings upon all of our listeners and major blessings that we ask and protection on all those standing up like Dr. McCullough and their families. And as we part ways, as always, we ask that every intent of our thought be pure. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to join us again on The Undiluted Truth. And remember, rock tumblers, with all of your might, continue to diligently seek truth. God bless.